This is the Making Books podcast. I'm author Polly Ho Yen, and this is a podcast documenting the often slow, sometimes agonizing, but also, let's face it, ridiculously exciting art of creating books. Each week, I'll be talking to a writer, illustrator, or industry expert about what their life is really like when they've dedicated it to making books. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Making Books podcast. This is a lovely chuckling chat with my friend Karen George who is an amazing picture book maker. She has illustrated picture books for Julia Donaldson and she talks us through the nerve-wracking process that led to that uh, collaboration. She's also written and illustrated picture books and her own steam and collaborated on an another project um, with actually her agent James Catchpole. Um, so it's I make Karen go into sort of immense detail of exactly what happens with every single book um, just because I love hearing Karen talk about it all. Um, so I hope that you enjoy this. There's lots of juicy details. Enjoy. I'm not even going to, I don't want to touch it again. Okay. Do you want to test it after it's? No, I think it's working. Are we just going to go? Yeah, that's it. That's welcome, Karen George. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel the tension in my voice. <laughs> thank you so much oh well thank you for coming along to talk about books and stuff and is that okay it's absolutely perfect <laughs> what else would we do i On know a tuesday afternoon well what were you doing before you were making books let's start there <gasps> take us back it go, goes back quite a long time go on <laughs> i'm settling in <laughs> shall i go back to college days Perhaps. Um, you could go back to birth. You can birth. go back to early years. Go to college years, yeah. Okay. Well, maybe books. Books when I was small. Yeah. I, I mean, loved. did you always? What did you think? What did you want to be when you were a kid? Uh, I don't know. I just like drawing. That's all I wanted to do. Drawing, play schools, and be a librarian. Hey! <laughs> tick tick tick. So I've. I've succeeded. <laughs> I used to make little tickets for all my books on my bookshelf. So it was like a proper library. Oh, perfect. And so, and you're working in a school library And I work moment. in a school library right now. Right now. And you're drawing all the time. And I'm drawing all the time. Any play school activity? Um, sometimes in the library. Sometimes. Sometimes school library. events, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what were you drawing as a kid? Were you drawing from life or were you making stories then? Or were there any like... I used to do... I used to like copying pictures in books, particularly yeah. Richard Scarry books, which are my favourite. Making that kind of worlds that he makes. It was like... Sounds a bit sad. It's not sad. I'm a I'm an only child. <laughs> I'm an only child, and I grew when I was very small. We lived in a pub, so I spent a lot of time on my own, and I, so I used to draw a lot. But I was happy drawing. Yeah, well, and best... I had my school and my library anyway, so yeah. that was okay. So you had this lovely happy place. Yes, but I really liked Richard Scarry books, and I think cause they were like worlds. You could be part of the world. Yeah, the Richard Scarry world, and yes. the busy town, and. I got so excited when I was on holiday in St Ives last summer and I was thinking uh, I really wanted to get a Richard Scarry book but so like just generally in my if you know in the yeah. air in the air of my brain was the thought that I'd never actually seen a Richard Scarry book and everyone was talking <gasps> about them and 
how was I not going to find one? And then um, I had to, you know, Parkinson. I was, this is such a boring story. <laughs> but I started out. <laughs> parking in St Ives is difficult yes so I parked quite far away and then I was walking quite a long way to get to where we were staying and I passed by a bus stop that had a little book box of books to feel yeah. free to take and I picked there was only like a handful that were kids books and I was thinking oh, I'll grab one for my daughter grabbed it and it was a Richard Scarry book Yay! and it was a funny one called Nikki Goes to the Doctor Oh, I don't know that one. Yeah, so it's quite, it was, you know, a sort of slight slight educational vibe about going to the doctor. Yeah. And it's quite funny because they say, take off your pants and shirts. <laughs> <laughs> but it's rabbits, so it's fine. It's fine. But it's yeah. fine. Lovely. So which which scary books did you, did you, did um, you love? There's one called uh, What Do People Do All Day? So it's all different oh. jobs you could do. I think there was a picture of a, an artist in one of the... There were like windows so you can see people doing their jobs in shops and nice. through windows. Yes. Um, you know, and they'd sing or they'd, there was an artist. And and my favourite... But my favourite book was called Richard Scarry's Best Book Ever, which had a whole... It was like a whole compilation of different illustration styles as well. But Amazing. But had Lowly Worm and everything. And intro interestingly, Andrew, that I've lived with for 30 years, it was his favourite book. Oh, really? And we both have our original copies of it. And that's why you're soulmates? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Whole basis of a relationship. And what materials were you using as a child? I want absolute specifics. I don't... Oh, I know. I felt pens, obviously. Yes. I found then... felt pens very difficult to... Um, get my head round as a kid yeah. they always they always felt like they were too strong or they were too run out in my mind often run out often run out yes yeah. but what I did like felt pens were for were you could get books a bit like the colouring books that you get now like the adult colouring books oh, yeah. the mindful ones yes yes back yes. in the olden days they existed as well <laughs> but they were just books of patterns so you could colour in and make like repeat patterns oh and that's perfect for felt, a felt pens tip. were yeah. really really yes. good for that oh i'd spend hours yeah like filling the hole yeah actually you just made me remember the like my local library's coloring in competitions that they used to run where they'd just give you a sheet yeah and um i used to spend my sister my sister was so brilliant at them and did these like really precise patterns and i basically just copied her using felt tip <laughs> pens and yeah just kind of using every Every tiny little space. It wasn't yeah. even about what it was. It was just it was like an opportunity to fill with colour and pattern yeah. in some sort of crazy way, and then all together it looked like a migraine that yeah. that could win a competition. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so you, There's so much pleasure involved. It's so satisfying. Well, that's it, isn't it? Like sometimes I think I get asked. You know, I was at a school event yesterday, and the kids were basically saying to me, "Why do you do this? Why are you writing books?" And I was like. Because it's just very enjoyable. Like it's, you know, it's very, very satisfying actually. Like, like there's lots of worthy reasons why yeah. I, I might be doing this. And then there's <laughs> also just that, what keeps me going though, is just that enjoyment factor and that, you know, just yeah. that feeling again that you're a kid who's colouring yeah. in or dreaming something up. Colouring with words. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd copy a lot of Richard Scarry drawings. Yeah. I was just thinking about materials when I was, I think, six, possibly my sixth birthday. I was given this paint box that was just 
magical and oh. it was it was quite big yeah. i'm using my hands now but it was like a sort of toolbox with a yeah. handle and a okay. lid so that's yes and inside the lid was like a palette that you could use as a palette and it had little pots of poster paint nice it. it was really nice and i mixed i remember this really clearly i mixed a white and a primer yellow together Ooh. it seems really it's a bit nerdy but I was just amazed <laughs> that I'd created a completely different colour with a different feeling to it. Nice. I can remember really clearly that just having it. It was like a magic spell or something that I'd done. Oh, it was yeah, it was lovely to hear you describe it. It's not just the colour, but the, that it changed the feeling. Yeah. That colour then changed the yeah. feeling of, of anything that you would do with it. Yes. Oh, beautiful. Have yes. you still got it? No, but I did have I did have it until I was quite old. I think I still had it when I started my art foundation course. <laughs> ah, okay. Well, let's zoom towards college then. So Crayola crayons. I just have to mention those oh, yes. as well. Shout out to Crayola be because they were main. <laughs> Talking of going to art college, I think I turned up with a bag of those on my first day. Oh, but I like the colours were so brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there was and the the names of the colours, they they weren't just red or orange, it was a reddy orange or an orangey red. It was so nuanced. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but really important and I just got it and that was yeah. Did you use them much in your um foundation year? I don't think I did, no. Oh, I was no. hoping you were gonna bring a crayon revolution to no. arts art college. No, the first thing I did at art college was build a ginormous crocodile out of bricks this is all time well spent and cement oh wow it was very, that was very satisfying <laughs> <laughs> so so when you left school you just knew you wanted to be in i just wanted art. to go to art college i didn't really know what i wanted to do at art college but i just wanted to be an art student and knew that's that's your, that yeah. was your calling yeah and then me. and then the crocodile was created then the crocodile was created, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so can you link us up to that then from Brick Concrete Crocodile to yeah. your first book? To my first book, yes. Yeah, so I have to fast forward a lot. So basically I went on to do fine art degree and then a fine art MA. And then I ended up painting film sets from wow. that. Nice. So I went to big brushes, big rollers. And, and I've seen your big drawings that you do for school events yes. now. Yes, so you, it's good yeah. to get the big so, brushes out again. So you've always got that up your sleeve. Yeah. Do you like working? Um, yeah, how is it? Oh, oh, sorry, I've got so many questions. I was going to ask, how do you like working big or do you? how does it feel to work? I like a... doing both. Yeah. Nice it was to... nice to go small after being up ladders and hanging off scaffolding with big six-inch brushes. Wow, painting. yes. And that was quite mad. But that was good. But what I did like about the film was that there were lots of... Um, I couldn't quite believe that everyone had a separate job. Like, as a fine artist, it's all about you, isn't it? And your vision. You know, I was in control of everything. But when you're on a film, you've got, like, a, a set designer. Then you've got dressers. Then you've got lighting. It's all these different people. Yeah. Sort of chipping so everyone's in. got their lanes and then you all come together to create yes, that vision and it makes a whole thing and then I was because I was sort of drawing and I liked the ideas of writing stories and things then and I thought wouldn't it be brilliant if you do a picture book you could be all of those yes. you could be the director yes 
set designer, lighting, costume, everything. <laughs> <laughs> Casting director. So, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of more film roles, but I can't think of any more. <laughs> Best boy. <laughs> gaffer yeah, yeah. no but that yeah I mean that is the exciting part of it and I suppose also that's maybe also part of the it must have been nice to kind of concentrate just in that one area when you were you know when you were starting out yeah and then because I always feel like any jobs you have before you turn to making books it's always really that they're almost more valuable in some ways yeah to then yeah when you're yeah when you're when you're just writing or illustrating I th- always think back at all the, the different things those jobs that I had before kind of taught yeah. me that I didn't know, didn't couldn't really kind of have a feel for or, or realisation at the time. Yeah, I think they're more, looking back, they're sort of significant parts, isn't there? Yeah. It's like when I um, first left home, I needed a job. I worked in a bookshop, like a, one of the sort of discount bookshops. And then the manager left and, and then said to me, you're manager now. And I was only 18. <laughs> Can we, I can run a bookshop. That's fine. <laughs> but it was, you know, and I, it was it was okay. And you did it. Amazing. <laughs> I used to be a bit surly though, because I used to sit and read at the till. Ooh, and if anyone yes. if anyone wanted serving, it was great inconvenience because it was interrupt me. <laughs> My eighteen year old self was. <laughs> I love that because you're such a friendly, lovely person. The idea that you're being so surly at the till. Sort of, yeah, um, sort of bit of a tart and a sigh and put my book down. Yes. Very pointedly. She Again, this reminds me of a local cafe recently and the waitress who was, you know, probably not far off 18. And she was like, oh, it's been so busy. I just wish people would stop coming in. And I thought, well, it's a bit tricky because you're open yes. as a cafe. <laughs> so it's going to happen. You kind of need us all coming in. <laughs> but then at the same time. You as an 18-year-old, yeah, just wanted to get lost into stories. That was your priority. Yes. So so, so all those things, you yeah. look back and you think, oh, well, they're little bits. Yeah. So, yeah, I I sort of um, had big brushes and painted big film sets until I had my first baby. Tell me, Can you tell me about some of the pictures you painted on films? What? So can you tell us what were you actually painting? What does that actually mean? What does it actually mean? So a lot of um, sets are built in studios by all the carpenters and then you have to make them look. The first thing I did actually was for a student film at the National Film School and it was set on a pirate ship, appropriate for later books and I was just giving a load of... See what happened to you. Yes. Is that correct? (laughs) Yes. Yes. See Karen George's beautifully illustrated but what happened to you sorry continue <laughs> and they just gave me these big sort of cardboard tubes really big ones that carpet came on and some paint and said you've got to make these look like masts you've got to paint this to make it look like wow pirate yeah. ship so like really lovely varnished wood wood graining and it was so much fun oh I just loved it you are really good at graining <laughs> so now I know why <laughs> So that was another magic of just having something and creating yes, very, things. Yeah, very tight brief. Yeah. Did that ever floor you? That I mean, or, or were you always like, yes, no problem. I can definitely grain up this cardboard tube. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think I used to just do it then and not worry so much. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, yeah, and then that, that reminds me of another job. <laughs> Probably shouldn't say this. Anyway, I used to work for a gallery and it was quite a tricky job because I was enhancing prints. I'll just put it that way. And, um, and I needed to leave. It was just one of those jobs that you just feel sometimes that you can't you can't do yeah it went against everything <laughs> went that against my artistic self stood for so i i just walked out one day and got on a bus and just thought yes that's it i'm free <laughs> and i put um i went home and i put an advert in l decoration magazine as a mural painter and paint effects for people's houses I've never done it before, but I thought it must be like film sets. Yeah, yeah. So that was my... So that was, yeah. And, so, and then did you get some mural work as well? Yeah, so I did some stuff in... Oh, amazing. Houses. And so, and then you had your son. And then I had my son. So the the sort of film world is all-consuming. So mm-hmm. if you're on a film, you're on... You know, that's your whole life, three months, so it's not really conducive to having a baby. So I didn't. Anyway, yes, my son Otto demanded three stories a night in bed. Oh, so we read a lot of picture books. Yes, yeah. That's not too bad, actually. I feel like sometimes we just, maybe not at bedtime, but there's definitely been days where we're just working through a tower of books yeah. and we come to the end of it and then it's like, again, yeah, start again. I just read that one. But can't we read this one? Because I like this one better. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> they've got any any feeling that you've got a preference they'll shut that down yes. immediately yeah no no oh so you were just immersed in reading picture books to Watto yeah. and yes. but you'd had that thought before that yeah you know, yeah that yeah as a picture book maker you could, so you I could just have did all those small jobs. drawings yeah it's easy if you've got baby on your lap to have a small brush yeah pencil Oh, yeah. yes. But it was quite a long time coming. I did. I made lots of efforts for writing. Um, yeah. And yeah. So and then when did you? What was your first idea for a picture book? A lot of quite random ones. I <laughs> realised. Yeah, I like random ones. <laughs> and I did. I did show stuff to publishers, and then they'd be like, "Yeah, well, just." Well, let someone else publish you first. It was always the answer. So it wasn't a flat no. Just a little... Just see. And I remember going into one publisher and I'd written a book about a rhinoceros in a handbag (laughs) that seemed, as a mother with a very small child, you know when you've got small child and you have random things in your bag? Oh, yes, yes. Yes. It was related to that, and that was my world at the time. Yeah. So it seemed quite that, that, sort of yeah. normal to That's me. It's very relatable to me. I had to go recently to a publisher who asked me, who wanted me to empty my pockets for the security scanner. And I thought, <sighs> oh no. I mean, I had all kinds of stuff in there stones, bits of stick. Yeah. That was that was the good stuff. And then there was a lot of other. Sort of bit snotty tissue. There was a lot of snotty tissue. Something. Yeah, yeah, that I've forgotten was there, but I thought I'd keep it as a bribe or treat for later. <laughs> yeah, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, little, I mean, a rhinoceros. Yeah. I mean, that's a real gift to have in your pocket. Yeah. Like a rhinoceros could get you home on a rainy day. It's all sorts of things. Yeah. I think it was just a little bit too obscure. 
Well, no, I I love that. So um, so you would so you, you so you're working on different ideas and yeah. you're always drawing. Yeah. Um, and then what led to your first? My job? first book was. Um, my friend Lou phoned me up and said, Karen, I've just seen a notice about um, competition from Waterstones and the prize is to illustrate Julia Donaldson book. Enter it. So I did. <laughs> For a moment then, I thought you were going to tell me that you'd illustrated your friend's Lou book and there was a book I didn't know about. No, no. No, and this was Freddie and the Fairy. It was, yes. Yeah. So you, so te- what did you have to give in for the competition? Well, they we had the text, the full text for it, and we had to draw the main characters from it first to start off with, and mm. I got through to the shortlist on those. Amazing, incredible, and. Then we had to draw up all the spreads, which I'd never, ever done before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drawn a whole book. But you, but you had all the skills. Sort of. It was a steep learning curve. And then I decided to draw them with um, pen and ink, which, I n- <laughs> which I'd never used before. I'd do something completely different, um, which I, I just enjoyed. So maybe that worked because I was quite enjoying But yeah... Lots of false starts and saying, I'm not doing this because deadline's too close and I can't. But I did in the end. Hold on, we've kind of skipped over the part where you found out you'd won. Oh, no, this was all for the competition. Okay, okay, all right. So it was a lot. It it was going through the whole book, the whole motions of putting a picture book together. So so it was more than just roughs, just the rough drawings. You actually had to do some finished They were fairly... Yeah, they were just black and white, but they were fairly finished drawings right, right. rather than rough roughs. Yeah, yeah. And they were all quite big and quite, yes. And then I didn't know how to do about text or anything. There's a stuff called trans text you could use in the olden days. <laughs> you can <laughs> you can put, put through your printer so you can do the text on the computer and then print this like sticky back plastic text on it. Oh. And I didn't know what to do. So I just, I just did that stuff text onto my drawings. That's a good idea. Yeah. Sort of worked. Got through. Yeah, so I got down to the final six. <sighs> and then we had to... Even though I know how this story ends, I'm on the edge of my seat. It was very tense because we had to go to um, Waterstones in Piccadilly for the prize, you know, to, for the announcement. Oh, my goodness. So all six of us were in the room with all our work laid out so everybody could see. Oh, my goodness. And when we got there, the... Uh, the judges were still deliberating deliberating, and couldn't come to decision. Oh, my <gasps> goodness. I can't stop saying, oh, my goodness. So it was really And what was the mood between you and the other um, it was finalists? It was just kind of like startled rabbits, a bit nervous, and sort of looking at everyone else's work. Oh, going, it must have been oh, so much better than mine, so much better. <sighs> they did that. <laughs> it must have been... Yeah, it must be the being, yeah, like nerve, very nerve wracking, but also kind of, and yeah, unable, yeah, like comparisonitis, comparisonitis, madly, because yes. you're just looking exactly what pe- other people were doing with the same text. Yes. And yes. of course you're going to think they've done it better. But then was it also interesting to see what other it people It was because they're all completely different. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. Whew. Okay, so then what happened? 
Then Julia Donaldson then emerged they all came from down. under the table. It was it was um, Julia Donaldson, Lauren Child. Whoa! And Suzanne Carnell from Macmillan. And a few other people. So kind of quite grown-ups suddenly yes. appeared. Yes. And then Julia Donaldson talked about each person's work in great detail. Oh, my... For eternity. Whoa! I'm going to talk about this for the next month when my heart was we were all still like a row of startled rabbits i bet were you just shaking yes oh karen (laughs) (laughs) and okay so you have to then you have to sit sort of listen to her go through in great detail oh she really likes that that's that person's one oh she really likes it anyway what can you remember what she said about yours i can't remember any of it i think i was just blacked out yeah Yeah. trying not to faint or something yeah but then she said my name and then it was kind of a weird blur. <laughs> yeah, God. So, yeah, I almost feel like the, you should bring out like a fairy wand and just sort of bless you on the head. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then it must have all just have fallen away. And yeah. yeah and then that... it was really tricky because after all of that build up, we weren't allowed to tell anybody. Oh, right. For quite a, while, uh, quite a long time about you know two months or something it was a long time of not yes, sitting on it yeah but how did it feel me it's just a bit unreal <laughs> a bit weird yeah <laughs> <laughs> and just plunged into the world of publishing that I knew nothing realized I knew nothing about wow 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 thought, oh no I've just been a set painter and I fine art and I don't know anything about how to put a book together but you just got on with it you just cracked on yes and they were very lovely and they did help me I remember once (laughs) doing something very weird though that seemed another thing that was normal for me to do (laughs) and I had a meet a meeting in the offices with them and I'd made these little kind of collages of each spread but very abstract because it was just about color and it was the way that I would work when I was painting at doing fine art because I used a lot of collage then to make kind of quite abstract pieces yeah and I mapped the whole book out in these little abstract colour collages (laughs) because it just made sense to me that that's to see how the colour flowed through yeah to see the journey of the colour throughout yeah and they'd never seen anything obviously there were some strange looks. I was in the office, it was quite intense, and the two of them, and I just saw this very fleeting exchange of looks between them. <laughs> like, what's this? And they just went, okay, well, perhaps we should just put them on the wall anyway. <laughs> they were very nice about it, but looking back and having... But, I mean, I... You know, so... It must have been just a bit weird again. No, I, I mean, I imagine, like, that would, must have been exciting to see, you know, because everyone works in such different ways. Yeah. And to to get that part of the process for you and to see the care that you'd put into that. Yeah. I, you know, maybe that fleeting glance was, we have a genius on our hands here. Wow. You know? <laughs> Stick or, it. why did they pick her? <laughs> How long did you have to work on the artwork? I can't remember. Not that long. And actually, that first book, um, I collaged the whole book. Wow. Wow. 
which is insanity, really, looking back. So, so I just talk us through what you mean by that. Were you painting every part and then... So what I did was paint um, sheets of paper. I stretched paper on board and then I painted sheets of paper, the colours that I wanted yeah. or patterns or textures, and then I cut cut them all out so there were a lot of leaves <laughs> just remember there were a lot of leaves and they were very small <laughs> and I cut each leaf out and glued it on oh, every wow. tiny and then did you go over and then and then I used pen over the top right yeah it sort of worked it but, does work but I mean that's a huge amount but of it work. just took ages yeah yeah the logistics weren't very good and then so you so you obviously therefore you had these finished pieces that were very precious these collages yes how did you did you post them did you did you escort take them yeah i lived in london then so i took them so you just took them there i took them in and then they scanned through scanned them yeah yeah oh honestly i feel like butterflies in my tummy <laughs> especially imagining you tense, in that boardroom the... <laughs> and um and so and then what what was next or, or did i mean did you enjoy that I did enjoy it and it was yeah it was great and it was nice working with Macmillan um yeah that's a good time and then I did another book for Julia a year or so later Lydia Lou Lydia Lou which she wrote especially for me so that was nice that is nice <laughs> <laughs> I do like that book I like the I like the the refrain from that one we yeah, we, yeah. We do that one a lot. It's yeah, you can make a lot of noise. You can. I like doing that one in schools because we get everyone, all the kids mooing and mewing yeah. and yeah, all that. Um, did you use the same? Oh, I didn't do any name. collage then. Then I discovered gouache. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think because uh, I did the rust for that um, with, and I drew it with coloured pencil. And it was kind of quite a nice quality. And they were quite, at Macmillan, they were quite, they were quite constructive about it and said it would be really nice to sort of catch that quality of that drawing. Because I think sometimes roughs are much looser, better and looser, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's also, it's a testament to your collaging though, because I think it'd actually be quite tricky to, ooh, there's a vibration. Can't say no. <laughs> <laughs> Check everything's okay. It's all right. It'll be all right. You sure? Be, yes. You can't. We can break yes. off. No, it's not. It's not a code red. It's fine. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I going to say? It's actually a friend who does um, sound. She's a sound editor, film, she used to do sound. So oh. she'd be quite impressed that I'm sitting. Oh, yes. Being tell her about the setup. Yes. Yes, do. I'll tell her later. Was she from your film days? She's from my college days. Oh, oh. yeah, tell her. Tell her yeah. that we, at first I couldn't make it work and then, <laughs> and then I'm not really sure what I did, but I'm hoping it's working. <laughs> and then she phoned me up in the middle of it. <laughs> Um, I was going to say that, yeah, actually, I, I can't, I, I actually almost can't believe that Freddie and the Fairy was collage because it's, because there's a, there's still such a looseness and energy to it, which I think you can so quickly 
lose the energy yeah, in collage. I think that, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean you can see that. F- I was going to say flow. You've got, a, yeah, that flow in your work. Yeah. That- quite like doing collage. Quite like to go back and do a bit. Yeah. Mm. But I honestly, I think it's like, it's, it's, it's kind of astonishing that you can, that you, that you keep that essence of, yeah, yeah. dynamism. We've got these big Maybe words. Maybe it was using. just stress that was just cut out. <laughs> <Really? laughs> well, with colleges, because so often get so tight so yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so then, then, so then exploring to gouache felt very natural, but yeah, I just wanted to say, yeah, yeah. it's, it was, it's pretty amazing that you actually were able to retain that energy. I don't think I even had a light box at that point. Oh, oh my goodness, Karen. I think I used tracing paper. Thinking about, I was just thinking how I, so maybe it was a bit looser because it was just kind of rough, <laughs> roughly cut out as well. Oh, I wonder if listeners can hear the rain coming. I don't know, it's, it's quite it's, a nice noise. It's quite a nice noise. And it's cosy in here. So it's, it's cosy for us. Yeah, anyway, well, we'll find out later. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, so then you moved to Gouache for Lydia Lou. Yes, with pencil on top. So the pencil has sort of stayed as my preferred drawing yeah. for line. That's become quite a main part. Um, and I quite like drawing roughs as well. Yeah. I always take a lot of time over roughs. They're sort of fairly finished. And I always draw in a blue pencil. Oh! <laughs> for roughs. I love this insider's tip. I think it's because, well, I started doing that because when I was working on What Happened to You, there are kind of fantasy yes. scenes in it. So to, in the roughs, to show the difference, I drew in red, but for the fantasy, uh, in blue, but for the fantasy bits, I drew in red so I could mix up fantasy and reality. Nice. Quite clearly. Ah, and so that, <laughs> and then that's what led you to the drawing roughs in blue. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. Nice. And now it's stuck. And I quite like, you know, I just associate that with my roughs. How big are your roughs? Um, actual size. Ah, okay. Nice. Yeah. yeah. But would you storyboard too on a sort of smaller scale? Yeah, I do little scribbly things that I don't show anyone just for me, just to sort of map it out. Yeah. Plan it yeah. out. Get the flow going. And then, yeah. And then sort of build up to full size. <laughs> Okay, so talk us through then. I'm just yeah. Can you talk us through the journey from Lydia Lou to what happened to you? Yeah, that's quite a long one. I wrote a book, my own book, which I had published called Hugh Shampoo, which is about a boy who wouldn't wash his hair. Plenty of inspiration for that. Yes. In the end, he did wash his hair, but in my first draft, he didn't. In my dummy book, it just stayed grubby. Because I had a grubby-haired child. <laughs> you wanted to say, it's okay. He used to scream when I tried to wash his hair. Oh. Um, it kind of, yeah. And did you, and how was it doing the writing? How did you enjoy? That was good. And it was really nice. I mean, it was really nice illustrating uh, the Julia Donaldson text. Because they're set in concrete. They're pretty much yeah. a given. Um, and then you sort of got creative play around them and you can play around but you know but with writing as well 
I find the writing well it the, the ideas start with picture usually or a character like you and then a bit of writing and then a bit of drawing so they sort of alternate and sort of feed into each other yeah then yeah I go, oh, I just, then i write something and go i can't draw that i've just written about something <laughs> <laughs> that i'm not very good at drawing so i don't want to do that you know like cars or horses or something <laughs> i'd just change that what could i so i do some drawing and then go oh, yes i like drawing that so i'll, I'll put that in Oh, so, so they're really feeding each other. Yeah. The time. So yeah, I like that process. Yeah. So I can, yeah, I can see how both are kind of, yeah, both are kind of attractive. Yeah. One when you're just like, okay, I'm working with this, and then the other where you can start to really play around with it. Yes. Um, okay. Continue on. Sorry, I feel like so, I like, this yes. is like a, this is your book life. <laughs> <laughs> so then there was quite a long gap of writing and drawing again, but not really getting very far and then I wrote a story about a bear that had one leg I found this I found this bear at car boot sale when I first moved to Bristol and uh, I never buy yeah. like bears or stuffed toys or anything but I just saw this bear I just felt compelled to buy it and I bought it for the man who owned it when he was very small and he was very unsentimental about it. But it looked very well loved. And um, so I bought it for £3. But it had a leg missing. Hence the cheap price. <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, yeah, I wrote a story about it. About an uplifting story about a bear with one leg. It's kind of a terrible story looking back. But then I was looking for someone to send it to and decided that I'd needed an agent because I hadn't had one before and that was probably a good way forward right okay um so I decided I'd sent Hugh Shampoo to some agents before I got a contract with OUP but after the book was done I got a an email back from James Catchpole saying oh I've you've sent this to me months ago and I've missed it <laughs> in my inbox I've just found it and I really like it and I, so I said no well I've done it now so too late for that one yeah but he sounded very nice and uh so I thought I'd send my new book to him and then so uh I talked to someone who one of his clients and she said yes he's very nice send it to him I recommend him Mm -hmm. but we didn't talk about what the book was about and she didn't tell me any details about him. So I just thought, well, I'll Google him. I was going to email and just say, can I send this book to you? But I'll just Google him first, see what he looks like, because it's quite nice to see. And I've realised he had one leg as well. He was an amputee. I thought, he's going to think I've written this book about a bear with one leg and sent it to, to him, him. On purpose. On purpose. And that was really bad. So... But the clip I saw about James was he was playing football, which he used to do a lot. And it was a YouTube clip of him doing a crossbar challenge, which I didn't really get because I didn't understand the crossbar challenge. I, it's a skill. I think I still don't understand where what you, this is. Where you deliberately hit the crossbar and don't score a goal. I was corrected on that. Thing. Anyway, my son Jim was with me and he was a, he's a great football 
fan and footballer. And he just said, send it to the footballer, mum. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, send him the bear and be like, this is where it started. I was at the car boot sale <laughs> and I said, the price is still on. It was £3. And, um, and yeah, what, did, what was... So Jim direction? said, yeah. he's, he's really got really good crossbar skills. So that's all I you think, need. you know, if you're going to get an agent, he's the one. Oh. So on that basis. Great advice. <laughs> do more sports challenges for agents <laughs> only if you do a hole in one in miniature golf I'll go yes. with you yes <laughs> need to see your football skills yeah um so I did send it to James and he did have the reaction that obviously I'd sent I knew about the fact that he was an amputee and then I had to say no I didn't but it was all very awkward and um but he was interested and he invited me to go and see him. Um, and that was quite awkward because he said it was not a very nice book about someone with one leg. And I just saw it. I thought it was I was writing. It was a big lesson learned about what you know and experience, you know, your own experience and what you project. Yeah. Um, so obviously as a disabled man, he saw it as a book about disability and in that context it wasn't a very nice story right yes it was cruel and I felt really awful but he could see that it was he could what I tried to do see your intention yeah yeah so yeah I felt really bad then (laughs) (laughs) and And I remember sitting there and their their daughter was very small then and she just learned to say "Uh uh-oh that day and I just remember her standing behind me going uh-oh oh. <laughs> just... <laughs> that kind of summed it up oh. but it was nice and they were very nice and we had a really good chat and James said could I write a story about your bear and so yes and that so was and I so said, that yes. collaboration was what happened to you yes and the next morning there was a story about the bear my inbox he'd written it straight away wow 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 but it did go through lots of different we worked on it for quite a long time and he hadn't written a book before he hadn't written his own book before so it was a new experience for him yes yes but it's had an incredible reception and it was yeah one of book trust's best hundred books in the last hundred years very good company with yourself <laughs> it was it was really, yes it's, it went down very well um yeah and we just bought your most recent book mr mornington's favorite things yes which i could not read without crying a lot the first yes. time i've managed to I have, i've obviously read it a lot so i've managed to keep the tears just slowly abating <laughs> but it's so moving karen um can you tell us yeah. a bit about um yeah the i mean because mr mornington he i mean he's and you, i saw your dedication he's um, a man who's suffering from dementia or alzheimer's and it's his relationship with his neighbor yes. kid yeah um and it's beautiful and so sad as well but 
but just a gorgeous, gorgeous story. And Mr. Yeah. Mornington, where did he come from? So Mr. Mornington came a long way. He was slightly different, but the idea um, to write a story about someone playing the saxophone <laughs> came a long time ago when we went to see um, Sonny Rollins, who's like one of the biggest massivists, colossus of saxophone playing ever. Um, and he used to come over and play. He's a very old now, he's in his 80s. So I think we saw um, one of his last concerts. Wow. And he can't play anymore mm-hmm. because uh, he's got a medical condition, which means he he actually can't. So we were so lucky. But I say we because um, we took, my partner and I took Otto, who does wash his hair, so we could take him out. We took him to... He was learning to play the saxophone. Right. And we lived in London, and there was this really good... I'm going to flag them up, because Southwark Music um, did this really good, like, music school on a Saturday morning for primary school kids. And it was just amazing, just an amazing, amazing thing. Anyway, so we... We took Otto to very grown-up evening at the Barbican. So how old, how old is he when he was part of Southwark Music and going? Uh, I think he started sex. when he was eight. Oh wow! Then. But just really brilliant, um, and it was just accessible music. Yeah, I think there's another one in Lambeth. There are probably other ones, and they used to go for the morning, and they just had these brilliant musicians, and they used to do. There was a choir, so they used to do singing. Um, they had a big gamelan orchestra as well, so they used to learn to play that. Um, and they used to do this, they'd have their own instrument tuition. It was just brilliant. They used to put on these concerts. Yeah, fab, amazing. Amazing concerts where they'd all play, and I used to sit and cry. Yeah. <laughs> just, I'm just going to sit and sob here. Yes. I, cry. Play, play I do on. cry quite easily at things like that. <laughs> um Anyway, yes, we went to see Sonny Rollins um, and he was about 80, I think. And this sort of man with a very heavy saxophone was half carried onto the stage. He had to go up some steps and there was a person on each arm who literally sort of carried him up and plonked him in the middle of the stage. And I was thinking, well... I'm in the same room, it's a massive room, but I'm in the same room as him and, you know, it's a pity that he's old, but at least we've come. And anyway, he started playing and it was just amazing. It was wow. like he just, he, you know, he could have been 30 years old, like 50 years just melted away. He played for an hour and a half without stopping. Oh, wow. It was just a, the most amazing, magical, wonderful thing. <laughs> and then he's and at the end he stopped and the people came and <laughs> carried him off the stage again. Oh. But when as soon as he started playing the saxophone, he just transformed. Yeah, yeah, amazing, amazing. Yeah. So I wanted to write a story about an old man playing a saxophone. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So I'd sort of drawn him and then sort of hunted around for ideas and then. As you do, sit on things for a bit. Couldn't sort of find the right, the right story for him. But then, um, sadly, a couple of my relatives had Alzheimer's, and just and my 
uncle had Alzheimer's and he liked music and I just thought it'd be quite nice to connect um, the two things together and perhaps that, that would be a way to bring it in. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because, well, I, I mean, there is a lot of research, I think, around, this is me, like, misremembering things I've read about the kind of the the, the music link with it that stays in your brain. It's very powerful. Yeah. yeah. Even when you were having memory yeah. loss from Alzheimer's. So I wrote that. It must be a couple of weeks. Pitch books take quite a long time. So, sadly, my uncle died. Um. And I still have a great auntie, but since book since I finished the book, my dad has now got dementia. So it's kind of a little bit bittersweet and sad. Yeah. But he sort of turned into Mister Mornington, really. Right. He can't yeah. Dress properly and oh, yeah. lots of things. But he does the thing that really, really makes him happy is music, and that's just taken a whole new. <laughs> <laughs> a whole new term in my dad's world and he's he's got a record player and a CD player and he's sort of got a room at the top of the house where he used to draw and paint and he can't do that anymore because he can't work out how to do it I mean it's really it's heartbreaking it's a really yeah. cool thing and but he loves music so much that he, <laughs> he turns it on really loudly and opens the windows. <laughs> and they live in a little village and it just lights so everybody can hear. Just share. <laughs> <laughs> just share the joy of the music. And he's so happy. You know, it's really hard because sometimes he's in his own sort of bubble. But sometimes you can tell he's frustrated and doesn't really understand. But when he puts... At the moment, Bill Withers, lovely day, mm. on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> he's just he's it's just a... happy and he dances oh, and sings gosh, along. That's lovely, yeah. So, it that's a really nice, that's a really nice thing that can sort of share with him. So yeah, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I love your work. I love that book. I think especially because, yeah, I can just feel that you have this personal relationship to these I was going to say issues that's the wrong word but yeah, yeah. just it, it feels like it is very much born from yeah. your experiences th- and and the way you're seeing the world yeah I think it developed I think on the first draft that I did it had a happier ending and there was a lot of dancing <laughs> but um yeah I talked about it a lot with James my agent and we felt that it needed to be authentic. It needed to be a truthful book about it, even though it's a really difficult subject. Yes, yeah. But there, you know, there isn't a happy ending, and the ending needed to go beyond his life. So yeah, yes, yeah. But in a kind of uplifting way, I think. It definitely is uplifting. Sort of... I mean, but it's 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 you know it's very tragic and it's very sad when you. You see him lost in the care yeah. home for that one spread, and then the next, you can see that the music still reaches him. Yeah. Um, and then he he lives on through with his lifty eyebrow. Yeah. Yes, and his <laughs> yes. Um, I really love the detail of his red hat that he wears. Yeah. Where did that it come was, from? Well, from 
Sonny Rollins, really. Ah, see, see, right, it's kind yeah. of a yeah homage jersey thing. I think he quite often used to wear one. So you know what? I think I've created a whole other story in my head around Mister Mornington. I thought he was. I thought there was a neighbour that you had as well. But no, he's sort of big. He started off as being Mr. Milton, and he was because he looked a bit like an old landlord <laughs> that had in a flat um, okay. years ago. So you had told me that story before. Yeah. Okay. So he was. I just worried. He did... I just seriously worried then. I was like, I'm making stuff up about people now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he did sort of come from when I started drawing him. The Mr. Mornington that's in the book is um, is sort of loosely based on this landlord. Right, okay, okay. He didn't have dementia, but he did have green stripy pyjamas like Mr. Mornington that he used to wear under his, clo- <laughs> under his clothes in case he was tired. He was quite quirky. Oh, good idea. Man. Yeah. yeah. I might do that. Yeah. Um, he, he had a dog and a cat, both called Bobby as well. <laughs> Because they both like the name, he told us. Oh, of course. <laughs> You've got to be, uh, yeah, democratic about names yes. for pets. <laughs> um, and so you've also been, you've also had an exciting project with Shelterbox. I have. I had a busy summer because I was working on one book and then um, I was asked to do some work for Shelterbox, which are a brilliant charity that supply tents and all the equipment people need who've lost their homes basically um in this instance it was um turkish people right after the earthquakes there um and where can where can we find that work so uh it's for the winter fundraising campaign which is nice and it's based around the turkish um earthquake and they've done it in the form of a pitch book. Nice. And uh, Imelda Staunton is reading it very beautifully with a little dog, <laughs> Molly. I'll just give her a name check as well. Um, but it was really nice. But it was so it's it's not as long as a, um, a pitch book, but it just tells the story of one particular family and what mm-hmm. happened to them. And mm-hmm. it's heartbreaking and tragic and just it was quite hard to do because I had to look at a lot of mm-hmm. pictures mm-hmm. and listen to a lot of stories, um, real stories, to do the to do the the illustrations. But it was just a lovely thing to be able to do for them. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, yeah, they were brilliant though. And then there's lots of support as well because I, you know, I said it's quite hard. I found it quite upset. You know, it was really upsetting, isn't it? It's got children. It is. And... I mean, it's just, you know, you look at what's happening in the world. Yeah. And you can just be drawn into and that. And, you know, there were other massive earthquakes. Not like, you know, there's been one in Morocco and just everywhere around the world. There are displaced families now. Aren't yeah. There? So, yeah. So it was really nice and it was a very different feeling from doing a picture book. Yeah. How did you resource yourself while, yeah, while, you know, finding that difficult and... Having think, to absorb those stories and and you know and then put put that heart into those those illustrations. I think just because it felt like a really good thing to do, mm-hmm. like it could felt in some way, <laughs> some small way to contribute, 
you know if, if they it raises funds which hopefully it will um and it's a global campaign so hopefully it'll do some good so i think that was the thing about doing you know it's lots of things happening in the world and you feel awful and you feel like helpless that you can't do yeah. anything yeah you can't yeah. help you know people but it just felt like something a nice way of being able to do it so brilliant so shelter box shelter box shelter box yeah yes and i think it's end of november great it's coming out okay that should probably be yes the podcast should be out by it should be out by the time this podcast goes live yes. so head to Shelterbox to look at yes. the campaign and to see yes. the work they're doing yes brilliant could you tell me a little bit about the the kind of drawing that you're doing we talked a little bit about Richard Scarry or Richard Scarry copying when you were a oh, kid yeah. and being immersed in that do you do you have a practice of drawing now for in between working on these different projects what do you find works for you or do you feel like you know that there isn't time I mean I think that's another yeah I think the try I always feel bad that I should be doing more I mean everybody does don't they yeah and then yeah I've just finished a book and I kind of feel there's a bit of burnout mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and then but now I'm thinking oh I want to start on these new projects so I'm keen to get going again and start drawing again and I think I because I I work in a school library but only one day a week and then I have the rest of the week that I'd sort of fill up and it seems to fill up but I think I'm my new idea is that I timetable myself to go out and draw I picked Thursdays <laughs> as a random day I was just checking it wasn't a Thursday I wasn't taking away from your drawing day but it's Tuesday we're okay so I think when you're sort of especially if you're working to a deadline it like everything seems yes. so pressurized and you feel really guilty if you're not doing that work yeah and don't then, you? Don't you have, there's that funny thing of you thinking when I finish that bit then I'll relax yeah. But you never do. No, because yeah. there's another bit there's that another comes bit. very quickly yes. afterwards. Yes, yes, yes. Or you have to do amends or you change things. Or yes. Or there's... then you think, oh, I need to start something new. Yes. And then you're back it. You're back on yes, it. Yes, it has to be a new serious thing. Yeah, yeah. So my new decision that I decided very recently is that Thursday mornings, <laughs> because also I don't like Thursdays very much because it's towards the end of the week. I've decided that I don't like the end of the week. I like the beginning of the week. It's yes. just another quirkiness I think Thursdays I think because I had a lot of deadlines over the summer Thursdays sort of signified another week nearly gone past and was I right I see yes yes at the stage I should be well you've been working to you've you've had a lot of deadlines haven't you recently and you've been working you've you've had to be you've had a lot of tight deadlines it feels like so yeah yeah so will you have a so it sounds like you're not well that sounds great about your drawing Thursdays but will you take some rest a little bit (laughs) a little bit I'm quite keen to start something new though yeah yeah lots of ideas for things to do yes and at the moment I'm a bit like sort of headless chicken when I'd like I can't decide which one to start (laughs) should I do that or that you know like okay you haven't done anything today because you spent all your day deciding I didn't decide <laughs> so I thought to go out drawing so I'm going to start going out and drawing when I would 
was doing my fine art degree, I used to really like going to draw people in cafes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I, it took me a while to realise actually also that drawing people in cafes was a, a lot easier than drawing children in playgrounds. Yeah, <laughs> because they don't move. Because they don't move. <laughs> <laughs> it took me so long. I was just tearing my hair out trying to draw kids that were just flying around the place. Yeah. Went into a cafe and I was like, oh my goodness. This is just static, maybe a bit of arm movement. Yeah, but they often people go back to the same position after a while as well. And you get food and you can sit down. And it's warm. And and it's warm. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to head for some cafes? I think so. I think so. Yeah. 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 I still like trying to draw in playgrounds, but it's a challenge. Yeah. Got to work quite small because they just so quick. Yeah. And in fact, at work on Monday, I was in the library and I was watching a PE lesson <laughs> in the playground. It was very good. Um, I think they were trying to play netball. I'm not sure. But there, was a lot... <laughs> there was a catching involved, but I just that would be a really good thing. I didn't have time because I had another class in the library, but... Yeah, 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 yeah. Just watching and knowing the and the children, the way they move and yes, just yeah. particular characters I was looking out for, children that come into the library and yeah. their own quirks. So your um, drawing of children, which obviously have evolved from Freddie and the Fairy and then on to Mr. Morton yeah. and, and Forever On, <laughs> did, you, did you always capture children in that way before you were making picture books did you how did you find that 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 kind of those shapes were kind of like what was appealing to you in representing kids in picture books yeah I think that probably came through having my own kids yeah yeah and being because I think it's that thing as as well I think if you're not sort of up to your neck in it or you're not involved or directly you think you know how children move <laughs> yeah or you have an idea but when you actually just slow down and watch them and take note of it consciously then you think okay there's little things that they do and you know if i don't know you could say you could draw a child small child sitting on the floor but they're very particular yeah. ways they sit yes. which isn't like a logical way is it they have their own little yes leaning or yeah the foot's coming out in this direction yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah did you draw your sons much then or was it more just from observation and I think just... just from observation really yeah just remembering and yeah Thank you, Karen. Yes. I feel that was. A, I feel like I've kind of done a real deep dive of making you tell me absolutely every little thing yeah. that has happened to we you. We went back along. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. Yes, and you and, and good luck with all your new projects that you're starting and Thank drawing you. Thursdays. Thank you. Maybe we can get together and do one together. Yes. And just draw each other. Yes. In a cafe. In a cafe. <laughs> actually that's the thing is you don't ever want to show anyone what you've done so we'll have to we won't do that we won't draw each other no but we, we could can just, just eat cake yeah we, we'll just do the cake but yeah and okay then, yeah okay thank you so much <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> oh man that was nerve-wracking hearing about that competition um um but i yeah it was uh, i i do feel like i 
force Karen to go into um, great depth with uh, lots of things that maybe I'm the only one who's interested in hearing about but I hope that you got something out of it too and if you're listening now you've made it right to the end I think this is the longest episode yet that I've released of the Making Books podcast so congratulations to you and thank you um okay see you next week bye (laughs) 